In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you locally by our good friends at Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. Again, he's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, again, not only download the podcast, but you can subscribe to the podcast too. And you can always be a part of the podcast if you want to hit us up on social media at Game Day CLE on both Twitter and Instagram. All right. So, you know, we spent a little bit of time getting into, you know, the Hamlin story and, and how it affected, you know, people on Monday night. The league is still trying to kick around on what they'll do next. But um, you had a chance to sit down with, uh, the NFLPA rep for the Browns, Charlie Hewlett, and you spent significant time with him today, which is actually Wednesday. Um, and and what did he have to say about the situation? Yeah, you know, um, what's interesting is that, or what was interesting to me, because there's a lot of conversation uh, and speculation out there about what the NFL was going to do for Week 18 right now. As we have this discussion right now, they are playing. Sunday, Kevin Stefanski said in his press conference basically exactly what Charlie Hewlett had said to me, that as of now, there are no plans to uh, uh, make any adjustments to the Week 18 uh, schedule. Um, But everybody is still waiting for some good news uh, uh, when it comes to medical updates uh, with uh, DeMar Hamlin. And it was good to hear uh, from the Bills uh, Wednesday afternoon. Um, they provided an update, and they and they did mention that um, there have been some positive signs. I believe was the phrasing that they used in their uh, in their most recent medical update. So that's good. But he is still in critical condition. He is still in the intensive care unit, which means, in layman's terms, he's not out of the woods yet. And, um, you know, I, 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 I tweeted it multiple times Monday night. Uh, you know, I think it's wonderful how many people have donated to the, the GoFundMe for the toy drive or whatever. It's like over 6 million bucks. He was looking just to raise $2,500. Um, you know, a, a lot of Browns players, uh, in it, you know, not just Charlie Hewlett, but a lot of Browns players on Wednesday just talk about, you know, all, you know, all we can do is pray. Pray for him. Pray for his family. Pray for a speedy recovery. Pray that he's going to be okay. Uh, pray that he's able to to live a, a, a normal life when he uh, comes out of this. And um, and that's you know almost a helpless feeling because so many people want to help, and they're 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 uh, aside from those wonderful medical professionals at that hospital in Cincinnati, there, there's nothing anyone else really can, can do, uh, other than to be, uh, supportive and, and, and pray for him and, and pray for his recovery. Um, but you know, uh, Hewlett is in the position where, you know, obviously teammates go to him. He's the point person, uh, as the NFLPA rep. So he gets the news coming down from the players association and in his job to help convey the, the messages, uh, to his teammates within the locker room. Conversely, if there are concerns or whatnot, uh, within the Browns locker room, not, not, not just related to this, but just in, in any situation, you know, you know, part of, of uh, Charlie's responsibilities is to c- convey that up the food chain, um, as well. But I did find it interesting that uh, he made it very clear to say, Hey, I, I am not 
I have no input on anything, even as, as a player rep, it's, it's the players association and uh, the league that puts their heads together and, and figures out how uh, to proceed. And then when my input is asked for, then yeah, obviously uh, I, I would give that, but um, so it, it is an interesting um, dynamic. Uh, I thought David Njoku, um, you know, he said no players on the Browns have um, said they don't want to play on Sunday. There's no like, you know, pro because that's the other part of this, too. It's like, again, pro athletes, they're they're conditioned uh, to deal with injuries. Right. Guys get hurt all the time. We've seen ambulances on the field. Most of the time when we see an, in fact, the vast majority of the time when we see an ambulance on the field or we see a player get carted off or wheeled off on a stretcher, we see the thumbs up from them and the, and the, and the crowd giving a standing ovation and support. And the only thing we saw Monday night was tears streaming down the faces of Bill's players. And, and that was heartbreaking to see. So there's a tremendous human element and and that incident monday night was a reminder that yes these guys are modern gladiators uh they play a very violent sport they're paid handsomely to do it they sign up to do it but there is risk when they take the field every single player that takes the field it could be their last time on a football field. That's just the reality that they that they deal with. And um, it's a reminder to me. It's a reminder to a lot of fans. These are human beings. They are fathers. They are sons. They are brothers, uncles. They have moms and dads and wives and girlfriends and kids, aunts and uncles, et cetera, on and on and on. Um, and in our world that we live in, um, and I get it because I'm guilty of it too. I do it. Uh, you do it. It's part of our job, you know, critiquing things and criticizing things. And if a guy doesn't play well, we rip the guy or slam the guy and, and whatnot. But it's just, it's a reminder that these guys are human beings. And the most important thing is that they leave the field healthy. The competition is secondary. It really is. So let me, uh, let me just touch on a couple of things here. One, I do think this is a good time that people kind of get themselves familiar with a thing called Lindsay's Law, which is here in in Ohio, that every high school coach that wants to participate at any level, uh, you have to take Lindsay's Law, which is a, a test that goes back to a story of an athlete that whose life was saved because of those EKG paddles that were at the school and that they knew to, to do it. And it's... Um, I think it's also a reminder to everyone that if you're ever in a situation where you see that uh, CPR is needed and, you know, get on the phone with 911 immediately and make sure you know how, those EKG paddles are extremely easy to use. In fact, they tell you it's got a computer generated voice that will tell you exactly everything to do to walk you through it. But to understand how to use those paddles is is extremely important. And I don't think that people realize how many times you walk by those paddles every day. They are all over the place, especially yeah, you when you're at a school. Um, uh, Ryan Isley, who covers a lot of high school sports here in Northeast Ohio, right. he actually uh, posted uh, a photo. He was uh, he covering a, a high school game Wednesday night. He posted a photo of 
the defibrillator uh, sitting there on there, yeah. ne next to the team bench. Um, you're 100% right. It is a life-saving device. And um, I, my dad was a baseball coach, and I remember he – uh, had to take the the CPR training. Yeah, everyone's got to take CPR, all, and everyone's got to take of those these long medical, all the emer medical emergency training. That, right. You know, uh, I, I remember he had to take those classes, and and that. Um, but yeah, it's it that's an important detail that you mentioned. So I, I just want to touch on this before we get to the last segment. We talk about the game coming up on Sunday. That it, you know, it is. Um, <clears throat> it's been a really hard and I think difficult week for a lot of people. And it's not, it, it's because what happened um, touches people in the heart right away. And, and I'd say that heart at meaning love and, and understanding and, and how you feel when you see someone who is um, uh, in critical condition. And I, like I've been up a lot over the last couple of days. I, I was glued to the TV all night to see what was happening. And unfortunately, I wish I didn't know some of the things that I do know based on um, my relationship with LifeBank and uh, my brother's, uh, my brother was in critical care for three months um, after a lung transfer, after a double lung. And I mean, it's not very hard for me to close my eyes and think about the Hamlin family and where they're sitting right now. And they're sitting in a room you know, with their son or their cousin or, you know, their, their relative or whoever's, you know, in the room with him, um, just sitting there holding his hand probably and watching the machines and you watch the EKG machine and you just, you watch the beep, beep, beep. And then all of a sudden you're asking what kind of medicines are they putting them on and you're living uh, you know, it's not, you know, the best way to live life, I think sometimes is, is one day at a time. But when you are with a critical care patient, um, you're living one moment at a time. And uh, you sit there and you wait and you want answers and uh, you, you just don't get them. They, they're just not there. Time is the only answer. And so I, I, it is, uh, it's just been in the back of my mind the whole time. And it, it's just, it takes anybody who's, I mean, it's not, I'm just, I'm sharing my story, but it's anyone that has ever been with a loved one in that situation and in, in critical care or ICU uh, relives the moment when you see someone, especially you're not used to seeing it on TV. And, you know, it, it, I, I think I wrote about it this week um, in my column, just that it's, it's a tidal wave of emotion that starts at the 50 yard line in Cincinnati and works its way all the way around the world because it's another reminder about mental health. And, you know, people keep saying, well, why is this, you know, you talked about the lions incident where they, I mean, they, uh, I heard Jeff told me the story today because Michael Reagan was there as a kid. They put him on a stretcher and then they finished the game. And I, I just, it's, it's not right. What they did the other night was right. They got it right. You know, I know people might have been irritated when they said they're going to get five minutes to warm up, but I, I got to be honest. I think that's that probably that for people too. Like is that, that, I don't know that that was true or not either. Well, but that's part. So, um, that's part of the just the general protocol when you're talking about a player that is, receives extended medical attention on the field where the game has to be delayed while that's going on. It's just part of the the standard protocol and operations of a game, right? And so when that, 
and and so when I think it was Joe Buck or or Troy Aikman, I can't remember who mentioned that on the air, uh, the broadcast. And I'm guilty of that. And I actually went back and I deleted the tweet because ultimately it wasn't fair because I tweeted, you know, I'm still stuck on this whole five minute thing. Get out there and play. Right. Happened. And that, and, and it wasn't, it was, there was no heartless edict from the league office that said, you know, five minute warm up here, go on play. Like, also, I don't believe the actual officiating crew understood the severity until once they got him it stabilized got him up and into that ambulance. And then once the ambulance left the field, the officials found out how serious it was. And then that was it. The coaches, the coaches had gotten together, right. uh, you know, Zach and McDermott, they got together and they basically said, yeah, we're, 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 we're done. We're, you know, yeah. We're I, done I, I, like uh, so, the, the so moment I think people need to understand that because it's easy to act like I look, I get it. I do it all the time, right? The NFL's big business. There's nothing that stops the NFL, blah, 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 right? It prints money, all that. Um, the commissioner did the right thing. And the other thing, too, is there's fact-finding that has to go on, too, right? right. I mean, the league officials and representatives that are, that are in the stadium, I mean, there are processes here that do take time. The but, NFLPA is also involved in that, too. Right. That's why, you know, and, they – so I don't feel like now that I have all the, the facts and the information – under no circumstances do I feel that the NFL was insensitive or that the NFL took what happened lightly or were not respectful to what happened uh, on the field. I think that they handled it as best as they could considering those circumstances, which were unique. And again, a tip of the cap to Zach Taylor, a tip of the cap to the Cincinnati Bengals, for how for their role and their involvement in helping uh, assist the Buffalo Bills with dealing with ultimately what was a, a, a just a, an unprecedented uh, situation that you you just you, it's your worst nightmare. You never ever want to see that ever. More of it's always game day in Cleveland coming up after this. 